This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Listen, it's time to jump on into it with your pals, Nat and Jess, and catch up on all things women's health and fitness. Hello, listeners. Ooh. Today is so sexy. <laughs> I love it. Is, trying to be. is that because we've got a guest today and you're yes. trying to impress her? No, I was trying to make it like a special edition. We've got a special guest today. Well, I agree with that. It is a very special edition because we do have a very special <laughs> guest. So welcome, Kelly, to the podcast. Oh, thanks, guys. Oh. <laughs> I'm here all the way from France. No. <laughs> <laughs> we were joking about her pretending to be French. <laughs> Can not you very know? well. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. So we have the amazing Kelly Hutton, <laughs> uh, Kelly Hutton, who is joining us today to chat about a few things. Um, I know Kelly through a mutual friend, Joe, and um, the two of you are amazing netballers. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I don't want to say amazing. We're, <laughs> we're pretty good. Right? Really, really, really nice. on the spot, okay. Yeah, yeah. We International netball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, you have true. to tell us that's about true. that. Yeah. So um, what we might start by doing then, because we're sort of a fitness-based podcast, so, you know, we We don't of, talk a lot of fitness sometimes. I mean, like. we, we digress sometimes, <laughs> yeah. but let's, let's just try and stay on point today. Um, so uh, fill us in on, I mentioned netball, like, um, how did you get into it? Who did you end up playing for? And um, did you even really enjoy it? Oh, well, that's <laughs> a good question. So. I actually, I loved it. Um, and to be honest, I've probably been defined as a netballer since I was quite young, just because I'm quite tall. I'm 5'11", so Ooh. people would see, you know, if people go, oh, do you know Kelly Hutton? They'd go, is that the netballer? Mm-hmm. The tall I guess, one. The tall yeah. one. Mm-hmm. So it's quite nice. You've got a bit of an identity. They're not like who. Mm. Um, and my sister, Megan, um, was also a very good netballer. She played for the Steel, so with the Hutton sisters, and, yeah, people sort of knew us because we'd fight on court and... Oh, each against head. each other. Oh, yes, yes. So sibling rivalry on the court. Yes, or well, even when we're on the same team sometimes. <laughs> but I it's easy that. to yell at your sister. It's just what we <gasps> do. But she's great. She's a very, very good player. So, um, yeah, I was, um, I'd like to premise by saying, I, and I think I said this quote the other day. Mm. So Wayne Smith has this quote, and he said, I was never a great player, but I aspired to play for great teams. So cool. I was yeah. never like this superstar sort of netballer person, but I played in some amazing teams with some of the best netballers in the world. Mm. Um, you know, Jenny Seymour, Belinda Colling, Billy Minor Davu from back in the day, like they're all, you know, the last two were like world championship, mm. you know. And so when you're with playing with people like that all the time, mm. you start to think you're a bit average. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you're a little by comparison. When really you're yeah. not yeah. average. But when you're playing, you know, because that's the highest standard you can get. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, so I managed to play um, for the Flames, way back in 98. Probably most of your listeners weren't even born. Um, <laughs> I was born. Oh, no, yeah, oh, I was good. born. Oh, good. Yeah, enough yeah. people being born. That's a good start. <laughs> I was five. Um, <laughs> I was... I might have signed a netball. Who knows? <laughs> oh, you know what? 98, I was I was into netball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was that young enough. age, I started yep. getting fangirly. Yep. Yeah. 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 
And then I missed a couple of years and played 0102 and then um, went overseas and lived in London for seven years mm-hmm. and came back and there was still a spot in the Canterbury team. So I sort of very surprisingly rolled on back in there. Mm-hmm. I was sort of in my mid-30s by then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but loved every second. I've made the most fantastic friendships, everything like, you know, all my friendships really revolve around sport. Well, not mm. all of them, but a good good majority. And it's made me meet some incredible people, really high-achieving women and sports people and I'm just very, very lucky, very blessed. Mm. Yeah. Uh, tell us, what position did you specialise in? Which position did you really love playing? Um, I was a defender. Yep. Um, but when I went to London, no one knew me, so I pretended I was an attack. So I did that. Fulfilled <laughs> 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 some childhood dreams. I'm, I'm, like, I'm not shooting. I'm like, yes, I am. They don't know me. So I did that. <laughs> so it was great. And then I came back and they're like, no. <laughs> I know, like, there you go. Check me out, girls. Um, Yeah, so, what did I do? I can't remember what I was talking about then. Um, Yeah, what was I saying? Position. Oh, position, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, wing D was probably my wee spot. The one that they always take off, if there's only six players, they're like, just leave the wing D off. (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) I feel like the the wing D can be one of the most destructive players on a level court. Like, they, like, they can create absolute chaos for the attack. That is so true. Yeah. So you but need to be, like, Joe a bit, like, gritty, kind of... Aggressive. Yeah, but, like, almost kind of sneakily so. Exactly. You're not, like, the real cool little fast centre or the... Yeah. Goal attacks tend to be really beautiful and styly and graceful. Oh, I love and these... Then there's a the wing who's like, yeah. I love these nipple <laughs> stereotypes. Yeah, Please do some more. Oh, it's true. Um, Goal <laughs> shirt... <laughs> Did Gold you play netball? No, I never did. <laughs> okay, that's all right. No, don't you don't, there's no, there's not much netball in France. Like there wasn't a school thing. You know, no, it's very Commonwealth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very mm. Much Commonwealth sport, but like cricket, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, but then I moved to Bahrain mm. in the Middle East, and my goodness, they played netball. Who would have thought? Really? Yep. So here's the wee Bahrainis in this tiny island in the middle of the Persian Gulf, and uh, I rolled in there, and they were just like in shock and awe. And I was suddenly the best player that had ever been in the country, apparently. Really? But they couldn't even That's do so that. Cool. Oh, I know. And <laughs> the first week I trialled for the national team, got in. <laughs> <laughs> and then a week later they rang me up and said, Would you be captain, please? I was like, What? You don't even know me. <laughs> I'm an international captain in my 40s. Like, who would have thought? <laughs> Put that on my CV. But yeah, but that was really cool. Yeah. That's so, so and, cool. and as I say, with all sport, it just opens doors. You move to different countries, you don't know a soul, and you jump in a netball team and you've got the instant mates. Yeah. That's the best thing about it. It just breaks yeah. down the barriers. So I don't know how other people make friends, you know. <laughs> well, you know, like off the back, like, you know, yeah. bumping into people in Well, bars. that's what you're used to. You're used to making friends with people you play with. Yeah. 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 And then the peripheral people, you know, their mates after that. And it just extends from there. Yeah. 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 So you didn't move to Bahrain for netball. Oh, God, no. Tell us what <laughs> oh, did you... Okay. Oh, um, no. I think we was an international <laughs> captain, so you loved him. Oh, yeah. Where's the most likely place that I can make that dream happen? <laughs> I can be an attacker in London. Where can I captain an international team? Um, so what... What did you move to Bahrain for, and how old were you at the time? Uh, how old was I? Yep. Um, well, I was sitting... Uh, have you heard of the darts? Do you, have you watched the darts on TV? I As in throwing darts. Throwing the darts, and it's yeah. the biggest party I've ever seen. So we went up to Auckland and went to the darts. It's the best three days of my life. Like, it's like really? going to the sevens. You get dressed up, and everyone's drinking. Oh, cool. You're like, why are you going to the darts? But it was so great, and I was really hungover sitting on the balcony the next day, and I was just scrolling through Seek. <laughs> 
And here was this job, like Middle East, executive assistant. And I said to all my mates, I'm like, I'm going to get this job. And they're like, oh, yeah, full of crap. <laughs> but I was like, no, because I knew the recruiter. So I rang him up and three months later, after a massive, they flew me out to Bahrain for Labor Weekend for two nights. What? It's a, it's for a, two nights? For two nights. It's a 30-hour flight. Oof. So I was like, yeah. That Tired. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So Business they flew me class? out to Hey? Business class? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they had to. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Business. Cool. Oh, yeah, they had to. Yeah. I demanded it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wouldn't function. I'd be like, what am I oh, doing? Oh, for this sure. Yeah yeah, 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 After that. So it was 60 hours flying over four days or something. And then, yeah, so I got this job and I, as an executive assistant in an airline that's sort of run by Kiwis, and rolled in there for, well, in the, you'll find out why, but I was only there for 10 months in the end. Um, but what an experience. Like, you think my mum was like, oh my God, you can't go there, they have bombs. And it's really close to Iraq, but it was probably the safest place yeah. I've ever been. And they're a lot more liberal than the other. Yeah, because I know. guess that was going to be my question, mm. actually, was what was what were the restrictions or the expectations of women that differed from what you'd grown up with in New Zealand? Mm. There's sort of like a hierarchy in terms of... Um, there's lots of hierarchies. Like within, there's lots of Indians and there's hierarchies within the Indians. Um, but there's also hierarchies on the island. So the most respected people, so to speak, you'd say were the Saudis because they had all the money. They were like the big brother and supported Bahrain, you know, with the money and whatever, and the oil. Um, and then the second one was probably the Westerners, which was us. Mm. And then the Bahrainis kind of sat under that and then the Indians and the Filipinos and mm. all these other expat, you know. So And I really struggle with that in terms of the pay and the treatment of the the guys right down the bottom, you yeah. know, they'd get paid pittance. They all had like 20 people to a room and, mm. you know, and that was really tough. But as a Westerner, I never felt, as long as you were covered up in conservative, like during Ramadan, yep. like I didn't take one sleeveless top because you can't really so, show your shoulders. But okay, I got so there, that's a big difference. Yeah, but then yeah. I got there and everyone was wearing sh- singlet tops. And I was like, oh my God. Damn, it's <laughs> all like, at oh. home. I know, I was like, oh, you're kidding me. So much shopping to do now. It's <laughs> like, a long way to go back. To oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> So, yeah, so it was interesting. It was a lot more liberal than I thought. It's kind of the party island of the Middle East. So Is it? Yeah. This is good inside info yes. for anyone listening who's wanting to do a bit of a travel. Traveling. Well, yeah, but it was when I say party island, so that you could, the Saudis, it was like a 40k drive across the water. Mm-hmm. Because it's so conservative there, the men would come over and do drink. Oh, yeah. Have all the, Philipp- you know, there's a big prostitution, you know, thing. Mm-hmm. And if they did that at home, they'd be dead mm. <laughs> so they come over drive their fast cars and yeah and they just live their lives and then go back over to Saudi and be conservative again wow. so, yeah. so 10 months you mm-hmm. said 10 months um, so fill us in kind of what happened because uh, your stay was shorter than what you expected it to be absolutely yeah. um, so fill us in on why that was okay so I was on a three year contract um which I had every intention of fulfilling. I had booked trips to Nepal and Sri Lanka and all this cool stuff. Um, the first thing I got, I was in. I went to Vegas for Independence Day, fifth of July, and I just I got there, and I was absolutely wasted. I was like, couldn't get out of bed. Everyone was going off drinking, and I was like, I'm going to have to have a sleep. <laughs> like, it's just the jet lag. Don't worry yeah. about me. Um, didn't think too much of it, and then a couple of months later, I thought the Bahraini boys in the office used to bring us street food. And I thought they'd given me a dodgy samosa. Mm-hmm. And I went home that night and had the worst stomach pain I've ever had in my life. And I didn't read, I didn't even know how to ring the ambulance. Mm-hmm. I hadn't quite worked that out yet. But it didn't, I was like, oh no, I'll be all right. I'll just luck it out for the night. Um, it lasted a couple of days and then it sort of went off. And then I told my company doctor 
And he was like, oh, this doesn't sound right. Yeah. So we did a few investigations. He came up with it. He thought it had a ruptured spleen. He thought a few things. And then um, probably took about a month of scans and just trying to investigate. And then he referred me to a gynecologist. And obviously there's a bit of a, they all speak very good English, but there was a bit of, you know, some things get lost in translation. Yeah, yeah. And I worked out, he was trying to tell me that I had um, ovarian cancer. The first thing he said to me was, you can, your ovaries are going to have to come out. And I was like, oh. you know, I don't have kids, but I was still holding out hope, course, you know, yeah. that it was going to be. So I was, he was like, oh, what are you worried about? You don't, you don't need your ovaries. And I was like, what, but, what was uh, I? And I, yeah, no, sorry, so I just like, what? I just started crying. I was like, you don't understand. <laughs> like, yeah, of yeah. course. So, and then a week later, I was in a major surgery and they'd fly on my mum, on my work, flew my mum and my sister over. That's good to your su- work. Yeah, yeah, to support me through the surgery. Um, they opened me up and then just shut me back up again because it was so far spread through my abdomen that like nothing we can do you probably need to do chemo but chances are you won't make it through that so once I was able to fly um, a couple of weeks later I had medical clearance and flew home to New Zealand managed to get into chemo a couple of days before Christmas and started that whole journey yeah um, yeah so it was it was hard being over there very isolating um, mm. I found out on my own you know I was driving home on the wrong side of the road because they drive on the other side and I was like I was still trying to work out the cars yeah, and I was were, like oh, God, yeah. <laughs> you know when people were beeping at you I was like you don't understand leave me alone but um, yeah so that was confronting and then telling my friends like it was a massive shock for everyone because I'm one of these people that you know do my bike races and, and felt I've never been sick in my life mm. yeah. so it was real tough you know, obviously for my family and my friends, um, and it was really it was so hard telling people. Aww. So you, I told the real tight people first, and then I just put everything on Facebook. I was like, it just, it just makes it easier. And that's what I've done ever since. I've just put, basically been really honest and put everything on Facebook, and so that, it sort of saves the questions too. Because, okay. yeah, people are when so well-meaning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you don't sort of have to say, oh, how are you? I'm like, oh, actually, you know, I've got this bloody cancer thing. Yeah. So that was 2019, and I got through the chemo, and I but actually I cleared it for some some miracle. Um, I was given cancer's gone, and mm. then nine months later it came back. So it was a second time, and then managed to clear it again, and then I got diagnosed another what a month ago, six yeah. weeks ago. So I'm back in chemo mm. right now, and um, yeah, things are tracking along okay, but they're not ideal at the moment. I'd say. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You seem to me to be an incredibly energetic person. I sleep a lot. <laughs> Do you sleep a lot? Oh, my God, yeah. Is if I'm up, this... I'm up, but I'll go home from this and I'll be, like, yeah. wiped out. Yeah. Because yeah. you're – so you're going through chemo at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. You'd never know. No. No, and that's no. the thing. Like, my goal is if I'm walking through a mall – People aren't going, oh, she, she's got cancer. She's a cancer oh, patient. Honestly, there's no way. Yeah, I'd rather say, oh, she's a netballer. Yeah, she's tall. <laughs> you know, she's tall. But yeah, that would, if I was sitting in a room and you had to pick someone out, I'd like to think it's not me. Like, yeah. I lost all my hair. I've been through that. I lost all my hair the first time. I had no eyebrows. Yeah. And it's horrendous. You, you lose yourself. You know, put on 20 kgs from the steroids and you just don't recognise yourself. Mm. Um, but my hair's grown back and it's easy to look at yourself when you're going through chemo. When you look healthy, yeah, of course, you know, yeah, and a tan helps. Yeah, <laughs> you do yeah. have a really nice tan. You yes. really do have a yeah, good tan. Yeah, I was thinking that before at yeah. coffee. I was like, such a good tan. Well, I don't work, so I sit at home yeah. and books outside. <laughs> There's got to be a silver lining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned that one of your goals is that if you were to walk in a public place or a mall or something like that, that you wouldn't be identified as 
Kelly going through chemo. Yeah. But there's Kelly, the netballer. Yeah. So uh, I guess that's a really interesting um, uh, reflection on, on identity and yeah. also having, like we chatted about before, having been a sports person and without probably even realising how much of your identity on, is on mm. being a high performer and fit and healthy and all of that, it must be extra challenging to get a diagnosis where it feels like your body is letting you down when your body has been your tool for success for such a long time. So true. Because all my joy comes from activity yeah. in terms of, you know, as I say, mountain biking, running half marathons, netball back in the day. And mm. at the, today, as it stands, I can walk 2Ks around the block and that's all I've got. Yeah. And then it's trying to find, well, what's the next thing I draw my joy from if all those things are taken out of the picture mm. and you don't realise how much, like, you know, even through the earthquakes and all these other, you know, life challenges, I've always just gone for a run mm. and you feel better after going for a run. I don't know. Because movement is just so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never had to medicate. I'm just like, no, I'm going for a run. Like, even after the earthquake, I remember I put on a tactics training top to make it look like I was a professional sports person so I had an excuse to run because I felt yeah. so embarrassed because I lived in the red zone. Yeah. Here was me running through all the people, you know, potholes and yeah, yeah. people being dead. I was like, no, if I look like I'm an athlete and I have to be running, then people won't train. judge me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't need to. I was just some bloody bozo going for a run. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, but, you know, it was, it's, so when it's gone, like it's, yeah, it's, I don't know, what do you do? I don't know. I don't like, know. Tell, no. tell us. Oh, what well, do you know do? what? It's so sad. Like, what do I do now? I, I, I watch Netflix, which is terrible, and I do jigsaws. And That's I'm, awesome. Oh, my God. I'm addicted I think, to jigsaws. I think <laughs> jigsaws are pretty cool. Oh, yeah. But it's not cool. <laughs> She's like, uh-huh. cool. It's not cool. Yeah, but I mean, that's you, you find it's because I can't work anymore either. It's just finding that purpose of getting out of bed in the morning. And sometimes, yeah, you know, sometimes it's just going to chemo or it's going to the oncologist just to get out the door. Like if mm. I've got a prescription to pick up, that's the that's the midst of my day. Especially yeah. during COVID when you couldn't see people because you were so immunocompromised. Like I literally couldn't have people come around and see me or when you know. So it really restricts you. So my house is my hub. You know, yeah. at the moment. Um, so it's like being on permanent lockdown in a sense. Mm. Um, and then you just, I have a good week during chemo, which is this week. Mm. And you just try and get out as much as you can. And, you know, just even if it's coffees and dinners, it's not walking to godly head anymore. No. You know, which guts me. Mm. Um, but, yeah, just do what you got to do, I guess. So mm. it sounds like you've, you manage your expectations of yourself very well. Yes. Like you've yeah. reframed what, I don't know, like the focus of the day could be or what, I don't know, what the challenge of the day might be where it used to be big challenges like exercise sort of focus stuff, whereas now it's... Literally getting out of bed some days. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I'm lucky in a sense that I had my sport and mm. I learned a lot of resilience through that. Like early on when you're doing your beach sprints and you're vomiting in the sand dunes and running bloody 5Ks at a ridiculous pace, like you learn how to push your body. Mm. And I'm so glad I had those lessons that my body was capable of so much. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think it must be hard, never having done that now, just, you know, when you feel sick, wondering how your body's going to cope. But I sort of know, okay, I've felt this bad before, my body's going to be okay. Mm. And it just helps. It's like, no, you can do this. You know, mm. just get through this half an hour. You'll have so yeah. much mental strength from your sports background. It, so much. So much. And I never realised it's, and it's yeah. almost a gift that I had it, you know. And even yeah. just being surrounded by 
these incredible people that were so resilient and yeah. just like you know that you, that rubs off on you when you're surrounded by them all the time. Like yeah. I think I said to you, like I was never I was never a great player on my team. I was never like really hardcore or anything like that. I was kind of the jokey one who just went because I loved it and mm. was a team person, you know. But <clears throat> it does does sift into you so it's part of my DNA now I think without mm. realising it so that's a real tool that I've used mm. um, but I do think I compartmentalise a lot so I don't think about the outcomes because the outcome is inevitably going to be bad for me because the five year survival rate is something like 40% that's yeah, terrible so, so tell us if there's um, someone listening and for us mm. as well um, you know get us up to speed with um, what What's helpful to know about ovarian cancer? Where is it at? Um, and if you want to chat a little bit about any warning signs, symptoms and stuff like that, so fill us in on that. Okay, so the problem with ovarian cancer is that the symptoms are really vague and can be attributed to lots. That If you're going, I know it's probably a bit early for some people, but if you're going through menopause or if you've got endometriosis or, um, I mean, the, what are the main ones? Fatigue, bloating, um, needing to pee a lot. Um, That's me today. Yeah, <laughs> you just have too much water someday. You know, it's, yeah. it's just really vague. So, but I didn't. I sort of thought something was wrong, but I didn't. It couldn't put my finger on it. I even went to the doctor when I was back in New Zealand. I said, "Oh, look, there's just something going on down here." I was so vague, and mm. she was like, "Oh, it's probably constipation." I was like, "I don't get constipated. It's not that." But even I thought I was going. So you do know. you you've you've got those warning signs well before you got diagnosed? In hindsight, yes. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. because I was in Bahrain, um, a lot of it was fatigue. I thought it was 50 degrees outside. So I was like, oh, that's why I'm tired. Yeah, of course, um, and like jet lag and yeah. just new environment. Yeah, yeah. bit of um, probably a bit of diarrhea too. But I thought that's just the food because you're mm. eating this really weird food. Didn't mm. think oh, it came and went. I was like, oh, that was that samosa. Don't worry mm. about it. Um, really vague. I, I started getting really heavy periods, but I'd already had investigated that a couple of years ago, and they said, oh, that's just as you get older, that's what happens. So I, I dismissed that. Well, it's, and it does. So sort of as people move into later stages. It, they just get heavier. It's, they don't tell you that, but that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could I could explain all these symptoms away. Um, yeah, okay. And I yeah. never for a second thought it was all linked. Cancer. Yeah, no. like they're all linked to, to one. No, yeah. and the, pro- mm. the the biggest thing for me was my auntie at the time had ovarian cancer. No way. No, so she got diagnosed a couple of years before me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe it's familial. Maybe I should look into the symptoms. I actually looked up the symptoms and I had said, oh, no, I've got none of those. I'm a bit tired, but it's not that. And it was, I was, yeah, it was all through me <laughs> at that mm. point. So she's since passed away. So she lasted, she was four and a half years into her diagnosis. Yeah. Because I've got the BRCA gene. So we were told to test. She found out she had BRCA. And the day I was sent the testing papers in Bahrain, I got diagnosed. So it's just, yeah. But all I can, I can say is if you have got any issues that you think are abnormal, just go and see a doctor yeah. and just advocate for yourself. And I, my rule is if something lasts for two weeks and it's still there, just bloody go and get checked out. And if yeah, they, the two-week rule. Yeah, if it's still it's cool. Yeah, if it's still there after two weeks, maybe something's wrong, it's no harm, just go and see the doctor. Mm. And they might send you away, but if it's still persistent and you don't think you're getting any leverage from them, just go back. Because mm. that's half the problem is that are, they are so vague and people, I know that women get sent home a lot. And it's always late stage, or not always, but a lot of ovarian cancer is late stage. And that's the big challenge with ovarian cancer over other cancers, right, is by the time it gets picked up. It's it, usually stage three or stage four. Yeah. And it's and it's such a recurrent disease. You know, I've had it three times. Mm. Um, once, yeah. And then it's just going to keep recurring until it gets me eventually. 
Mm. So there's it's a hundred well not hundred percent unless I get hit by a bus tomorrow, but it's it'll, <laughs> you know it'll, yeah. it's what's going to get me eventually yeah. all the complications from it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so as I say, just tell your mums, tell your nanas, tell your sisters, because mm. it's you know just look out for each other, and it's you know it's it's any any health any mm. health issue, not necessarily ovarian, could mm. be anything. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. hard that the symptoms are so vague, but I think um, sometimes it's a matter of like you say, advocate for yourself, but kind of trusting your gut. You yes. know, like something doesn't feel right. Mm. Am I being silly? Because you know you don't want to take pe- take up people's time for nothing. Like that's a thing that we and, don't want to do, right? Yeah. And do you think that's also <clears throat> a little bit of a female thing? Yes. Or like I don't want to be a hassle. You know, like um, Sorry guys. Sorry to bother you. Yeah, like guys will choke in public. Women will choke <laughs> in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I heard this. I'm choking. I, I don't want to bother anyone. I'll take myself training. to the bathroom yeah. and die. Whereas a guy will choke. <laughs> neck Oh, it's true. A guy will choke <laughs> at the table and draw everyone's attention in and more likely be saved. <laughs> no, it's but true. That, that's true. That first day training. Like if someone's choking and they yeah. go to the bathroom, generally it's females go yeah. to the bathroom, go follow them type of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's, it is a thing that we don't want to bother and be a hassle. And, but, you know, if, if something doesn't feel right, do do get it checked. Oh, yeah. please do. Yeah. I mean, I'm not yeah. saying everyone's going to end up with cancer or anything, but, mm. you know, it could be something. It could be endo. It could be just yeah. anything. There's lots of things it could be, mm. but you know your body the best, mm. you know, and if, if you're not happy with someone telling you no, then go and get a second opinion and, mm. until yeah. you're comfortable. And as I say, you don't feel like a hypochondriac, mm. you know. It might not be anything, but hey. Better be safe. Better be safe than sorry. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. Knowing... Um, because hearing that, like what you said, um, it is a recurrent, so it's going to come back. So it's not the type of cancer where it's sort of like, oh, I beat that and mm. that's in my past. Does that knowledge for you, this kind of understanding of having a limited time with regards to your health and your body, has that changed the way that you look at life, your relationships, you know, is there anything, I don't know, particularly profound about that or? Um, you know, I think I've worked out, I've, my friendship group was massive, I had, a, but I probably cut that down. Hmm. Um, that was me, God, sorry. No. <laughs> was it actually? Yeah, yeah, did mate. you think it was yeah. Kelly? I did, yeah, because oh, I was like, that, that, was, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was extreme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Matt's stomach. All stomachs Apologies, bound everybody. to growl at some point, but that was Matt's. Just agreeing with me. Uh, <laughs> yes. My stomach was the same. Oh, good Lord. Um, yeah. <laughs> Funny. Yeah, probably my friendship group shrunk a little bit in terms of who I tell stuff to. Like, I'm a lot closer to some people than I was before just because mm. some people um, probably get it a little bit more or just ask the right questions whereas not in a bad way because I still love everyone but I've just, I've just it's just tiring like I'm always tired so you can yeah. only give so much of yourself to people but mm. um, in terms of um, doing stuff I've just been like I'm not ready to do it but I'm doing it anyway so the big thing I did last year was well I started to bike the length of New Zealand oh yeah yeah I know, crazy. What? Every single one of my friends I said that to, they're like, you are nuts, why would you do that? I'm like, you don't understand. Wait, what is it? Can you go into Matt's <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, did I hear that right? Uh, yeah, I was, well, I'd been to the oncologist, she told me I had cancer yep. again, and okay. I said, but I've got this bike ride. And she's like, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> she's like, oh, I said, look. She, Does she know you well eh, by now? Oh, yeah, she yeah, like, yeah, oh, here yeah, we go, yeah. She's like, oh, no, this crazy woman. Um, <laughs> but she said, okay, we can probably give, you've probably got a month up your sleeve before you need to start chemo, so 
go and do that bike run. I was like, yes, I can't believe it. She didn't let me go. She said, oh, there's a slight chance you might have a bell obstruction while you're out there, but that's happened once in my 25-year career. And I was like, sweet, that's good enough odds for me. I'm gone. Yeah. So I went up to Cape Reinga, um, with a group. It was a group tour, a bit like Kentucky, but it was fun. they were all like in their 60s and 70s because people my age don't have 40 days to take <laughs> off work. But I was like, I've got time, I can do this. And it was amazing. So, so it was 40 days? A four, yeah, 40 days with rest days in between. You sort of do That's 80 so to cool. 120 k's a day. Yeah, I was on an e-bike. I was all set to do it on my real bike, but I was like... That's going to be pushing it a bit too much. Okay. So well, I jumped on an e-bike. Good um, job on being wise there. Yeah, but then I started turning it off. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> well, it's funny. I was like, no, this is probably the last chance I'll get to push my body, and I love my body. It's been so good to me. <laughs> so go do your thing. <laughs> so that was wow. great. So I did the whole North Island, and then this was in November, end of November. How did gone. it feel? Amazing. Yeah. So much fun. Best way to see the country. Worth it. So amazing. Yeah. And then started not to feel particularly great on the ferry and then I made it just well I got to Murchison and my friend Chops came to bike with me I was going to Reefton so it was a big day 130k day and I woke up that morning and I was like oh I don't feel good but I was like no Chops has come all this way you can do it and I was doubled over in pain so I biked over the Maruia saddle which is like 800 metres and then I got to the end and didn't feel very good I said Chops I think you need to take me home to hospital, and I had oh a my. spewed twice in the car on the way home, and I had a major bowel obstruction. Oh no! <laughs> so I was in hospital for a week, and I've now, as a result of that, I've got two stoma bags. So I've got a colostomy bag and an ileostomy bag. Which, if you'd ever told me years ago that I'd yeah. be having bags, I'd be like, no, nah, my life is over. <laughs> but you just adjust to that too, and yeah. now they're mm. my wee mates. But yeah, mm. it saved my life basically. Yeah, and then. Yeah, so I was happy to get where I did because I thought I'd get down 90 Mile Beach and that would be it. Um, but yeah, so then I went to chemo, yeah, a couple of weeks after that. So I want to finish the ride, but it's looking less likely now. I think my oncologist had a very honest conversation with me last night saying, okay. you need to adjust your um, expectations, which mm. I'm not very good at doing. Right, yeah, <laughs> manage those expectations yeah. again. She said, maybe you buy it through the forest or something. Or something. <laughs> Stick to your jigsaws. Yeah, but I'm just, I just, because I, I wasn't ready, I wasn't fit enough, but I knew that sometimes you just got to have a go. And it's mm. honestly, I'm so, I'd be so regretful if I hadn't done it. Yeah. You know, like it's, and you don't regret it. That's, that's I the have best no thing about regret, it. Even though, no regrets. Yeah, no, yeah. even though I sort of ended up, if I'd had the chemo, a month before I might not have these bags because the cancer wouldn't have yeah. spread like it did and attached to my bowel but I still wouldn't change it because yeah. mm. I wouldn't have this massive experience that had been my get yeah. out of bed thing for a couple of years because I'd had to cancel it for COVID a couple of times but mm. it was just amazing and I'd, it's one of those core memories that I'll have till my deathbed to be fair mm. yeah. you know and if I'm really down I just imagine myself out on that bike just biking yeah. through the countryside because on you're on your own a lot a lot of time for yourself and it's just yeah it's just cool Mm. So that's probably, yeah, that's the biggest thing I've done. But I walked like a half marathon a couple of months after chemo the first time and that's just little goals when you're lying in bed and you can't walk to the end of the hallway. You're like, no, I'll walk a half I'll marathon. I'll walk a half marathon? I'll walk it. And that's interesting too because if you ever go to a half marathon or a marathon, the people at the back are the inspiring ones. Oh, you know? I love that. They're the yes, ones. They've that. all got their stories. Because yeah. I've, I've seen it a couple of times, and I was walking, I did it with my sister and a friend, and we were walking, it took us four hours, so by the time we were walking into Queenstown, all the marathon runners were coming in, mm-hmm. exactly the same time walking up the main street, and everyone was like, yeah, go the marathon runners! And they are like, oh, just walkers. You know, mm-hmm. everyone was like, oh yeah, good on you. And I was like, if you knew my story, you'd be yeah, cheering exactly. just as loud. So Louder. if you're ever at a race or an event, you 
cheer for everyone because you just don't know their stories. Exactly. You know? I love that. Yeah. yeah. So much. I think yeah. that's really powerful is just you actually have no idea the barriers that people have overcome yep. to even be there. And that's the inspiring stuff. Yeah. And uh, like we were saying, you know, you were high performance, mm-hmm. you know, at the top of your sport. And that's very expi- inspiring as well. Um, but that's the really good stuff, the I, people who have massive barriers to overcome just yep. to be able to move. Yeah, the fact, you know, because it's like there's a run club in town, Bevan Isles does the extra mile runners, and you see those ladies turn up literally off the couch, mm. then they run their 5Ks and you just see their confidence, and then they run 10Ks and then they run a half marathon. Yeah. And it's just, I, I get quite emotional about it because I just, mm. they're just so brave and they've just taken that first step. And it's not like me who's played sport. All my life, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, I'll just give that a crack. You know, who can, mm. you know, whatever happens, I've got the body you trust to do it. your body. Yeah, yeah, I do, but you, they don't, yeah. and they never yeah. have, and yeah. all of a sudden they're a runner. Yeah, and mm. they never would have framed themselves like that ever. And it's just incredible how that confidence moves into real life. That's what's so cool about working in the fitness industry. I would say, yeah, that's the rewarding stuff is actually supporting people to have confidence in their own bodies. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's different than being involved in sport and all of that is actually the fitness industry gives you that as someone who works in it. Um, I know that that's something you're really passionate about is just supporting yeah. people to feel good about moving and really managing those expectations as well of not needing to be like, you know, perfect and wear the right things and all of that stuff. But I love that that sort of um, visual of, uh, you know, seeing the people walking at the back of the marathon and just going, they're the ones with the biggest barriers to overcome. Yep. They're the inspiring ones. Oh, they are. Like, yeah. And just their emotion at the end, you know. And their friends giving them the hug. Yeah, no one knows what they've done to yeah. get there. Now, you have a very interesting story you were going to tell us on the podcast oh. about. So this is the... Um, is the uh, well, we Sorry. had organised a couple of weeks ago. Three maybe. weeks ago, yeah, yeah. Three weeks ago, Kelly was due to come in um, and have a chat to us. Excuse my voice. <coughs> Um, and uh, but um, uh, we um, you weren't able to come. No. And you were going to fill us in. On wow, that morning. So <laughs> I woke up that morning. I took the dog for a walk, and about halfway through the walk, I had massive stomach pains. I was like, "This is not good." And I was like, "Oh my god, Jess and Nat, they're going to wait for this podcast." I've got a podcast down. to do today. I can't let them down. So like, inconvenient. Oh it's terrible. But I was also going to the Fat Boy Slim concert the, the next night. And I had Oh, beer, don't I had, pretend it was about us, uh, Kelly. Well, and I had Beer Fest on Saturday. I was like, you know, in my good days, I have oh. to, this is where I have to live. I'm like, no, you've got to go. And I was like, but I hadn't had my hair done for like six weeks. And I was this grey, I had my roots, I looked terrible. And I'd booked with my hairdresser. I just managed to get an appointment with her. She said, look, just come in and I'll put the colour in your hair and you can just go home and sort out yourself. So I came 10 o'clock, I was like, I've got a hair appointment. And he was me. I was like, luckily, no, I'm sweating. I'm bent over. And I'm like, oh. I've got to get my hair done in case they go to Fat Boy Slim tomorrow night. Can't go looking like an old lady. Do you so, mean in case they go on the podcast? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Oh, yeah, and that. Oh, yeah, there was they a camera. They filmed the podcast. Oh, my God. This yeah. is very important. So I dragged myself into the car. I was like, Kelly, this is ridiculous. I had a spew bag next to me. Oh. I was like, and I was driving like, I was like, oh, my God, this is so unsafe. And I walked into my hairdresser and she took one look at me and I said, you've got to do the fastest cutlet you've ever done. I was pale. I was, she was so, she went, Phew. It took her 20 minutes, I was like, sweet. Managed to drive home with my hair with full colour. You know how you look like an absolute... I think you look the worst in your life when you've got a head full of colour. You look like (laughs) some alien being. (laughs) And I got home and I was like, oh, that's great, Kelly. Now I've got to leave it in for an hour for it to set. And I'm like, I need to ring the ambulance. (laughs) I 
What? Well, I was at that point, I was in so much pain. I was like, this is not good. And my mum was out because mum's been caregiving for me. I was like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble here. But I was like, no, I can't go to the hospital with a head full of you like this. And I was lying on my pillow. I was like, oh, no, I'm going to get down the pillow. And I was just lying there. I was just like, just think of something else for the next 20 minutes. So then it's like, yeah, my alarm went off for an hour. And I was like, oh, my God, now I have to wash it out. And I... <laughs> So going into the shower is the worst thing when you feel like that. You want to faint. I was like, so I was in the shower just going, oh, my God. trying to, You know what it's like trying to get head on? I was like, yeah. this is ridiculous, Kelly. For God's sake, you're about to bloody potentially die and you're worried about your hair. I was yeah. like, I'm still going to get fat boy slim. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, the hair came out. I was like, this is good. Ring the ambulance. They were there for 20 minutes later. And, and I had so much red dye around my head. I was like, that's not blood, that's not a rash, that's a hair dye. And they just looked at me and I'm like, oh. So yeah, that's nice. I spent four days in hospital. And you I did, did not go to Fat Boy Slim. I did not go to Fat Boy Slim, but I look good. <laughs> I got this very polite... Um, yeah, I got this very polite message saying, oh, I'm just, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to do this. Um, but uh, did you say bowel obstruction? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I actually got a bowel obstruction. I was like, no, 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 take care of yourself. <laughs> Okay, don't, don't worry. <laughs> oh my god, it's the worst pain. It's so terrible. It's worse than chemo or everything. It's but your hair looks good. Oh yeah, I look great in hospital. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, hi. Oh, okay. you're sick. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, no, it doesn't look like it. <laughs> What's your name, doctor? <laughs> hey, there's always opportunities. You've got to be ready. You've got to be ready. You were ready. <laughs> ready at all times. Oh, but I'm just so ashamed of myself that I could have had a car accident. All these things where I was just so like. That's a bit of your momental bloody stupidness. It's like, no, you're going to get there. You can Matt do this. Matt loves to ask this question, what? which is, um, <laughs> but would you do it again? Oh, oh yeah. Mm. yeah. Would you? I would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not happy it's with like myself when, for saying that. Um, we've done a podcast on, you don't mind me sharing, do you, on Jess um, getting kicked out of a country. She got banned from Taiwan. <gasps> I know, yeah. But then it's I asked her, would you do it again? <laughs> and she would. In a, did Not you? in Taiwan, I said. Well, no, but you'd do it again. Like, you would you would get kicked out of Taiwan again. Or a different country. You're going to go around the world. Oh, as in, do I regret it? Yeah. No, I don't regret it. Yeah. As scary as it was. But also, would you do that whole thing that you did again? In another country. Well, then I said I had to be honest and say that I have done that again. So she did. So what did you do? She got kicked out of a country, and then she went and did the same thing in another. Country. Not drug related. That's Why what didn't you get kicked out of the next country? She didn't get caught. It's all right. Go back a few podcasts. You'll find out. What I'm going to have to. You're going to tell which number. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Listen to it on the way home. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. But so, but so Nat loves. So anytime this kind of stuff comes up, she, you know, she likes to say, I'm like, but, you know, do you regret it? Though? So basically, what she's saying is, did you learn? Criminal. Did you learn from it? Oh, learnings, yeah. 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 I Would nothing. you do it again? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you are a very, very determined person, and that that has. Big upsides because you sound like such a survivor going through what you're going through. You're incredible. Mm. The downside is that, you know, the determination to have your hair nice could have had (laughs) terrible consequences. Because if something had happened, I'd be like, oh my God. So you wouldn't do it again. So say if you're in the same situation, been there, done that already, and you're like, do you know what, I'll just call the ambulance now rather than wait for my hair to get done. If I didn't have Bat Boy Slim the next night, I probably wouldn't. You know, it's just dinner or something. I'm like, oh, no, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just going, I was just like, no, I was just trying to be positive. 
Aww. I needed some oomphs in my life, you know. Oh, yeah, for, <laughs> yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah. We all need that, don't we? You know, like, stuff to look forward to. Oh, God, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And it's very seize the day, isn't it? You know, like, the Fat Boy Slim concert. You're like, I just, I want to go. This is my one chance. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just don't, we put off so much stuff, don't we? Like, we'll get another opportunity to do that. Oh, but like yeah. you were saying, just... Like, I never would have done that bike ride if I didn't have limited time left. I would have done that when I was in my 60s or 70s. Yeah. You know, it's not something I ever would have put on my... I would have loved to have done it, never would have done it. So my advice to you guys is that if you've got anything that is just, like, needling at you that you want to do, whether it's travel or doing a course or learning an instrument or getting yourself out of a rubbish relationship yeah just bloody mm. do it now like or just make plans to get it done stop putting it off till next yep. year and i think that probably the pandemic's taught us that a little bit as well like mm. nothing's guaranteed exactly you know so just don't have any regrets just do it just you go don't have it. to be ready yeah just, yes you don't have yeah, yeah and you know like it goes it comes down to so much stuff when we're like oh no i'll do that when i'm ready i'll do that when i'm ready you know, but sometimes it's just about just getting it done. Yep, and it could be I'm not fit it. enough, I'm not brainy enough, I haven't done enough yeah. research or something. Just bloody back yourself. Yeah, it's like mm. when people say, "Oh, I can't do, um, like I can't do a grip fitness class because I'm not fit enough for yep. it." When really, that's you know, it's got nothing to do with it. You'll get fit while you're doing it. Yeah, and <laughs> you know and what I mean. I like, just do it. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and you learn so much through actually putting yourself in that situation mm. as well. Yeah, I think that fear holds us back that mm. whole, I don't know, whether people are going to go, oh, why is she doing that group fitness? Like, look at her. And no one's looking. No one, no is one looking. thinks that. Mm. Yeah. And no one and is no one, looking. No, yeah. Everyone's in their own heads. Exactly. Like, yeah. I think they quickly Would you, But, like, when before before the diagnosis, would you have been someone to have cared a lot about what other people thought? Oh, or, my God, yes. Ah, okay. Because, so because I was so high performance at Nippon, I was used to being one of the best, well, you know, you know, people looking at you, you should be good, and people are like, oh, she's actually quite rubbish, you know. You'd hear those comments. And then... Um, About you? Yeah, oh, people are quite... Ke- uh, Kiwis are harsh. Oh, yeah, they are, yeah. Kiwis that is definitely what I've heard. Oh, yeah. coming back here. Like, you don't even know me, because I've got a terrible resting... <laughs> so people think I'm this horrible person on the court, and then they make me like, oh, my God, you're such a dick. Like, I never thought... <laughs> you're so like nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. no, it's just this terrible face. Um... <laughs> But I once I finished netball, um, one of my best friends passed away. He um, he choked on his dinner in front of his wife. <gasps> like, she's one of my best friends. Oh, I'm so sorry. My story oh, no, earlier no, no, is no, so I inappropriate. No, 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 no. But I don't. No, but I'm only saying that because of this story. Okay, good. So we needed we needed her to pull out. You know, find something to get out of her grief. Yeah. So we decided to do a half marathon. Mm. Oh, I'd never done a half marathon in my life. I was. Yeah. And I was like, I'm, I'm no good at running. What if I'm like last? Mm. Yeah. And we were. I don't know, probably bottom half of the pack, and I just did not... Like, I went there, and I was like, but I need to win. I need to... You're never going to win. But I wanted to be in the top 20, 30% or something. But no, we were just first marathon, over two hours, whatever. Mm. And then I was like, it's actually not bad... Because when you finish, no one knows where you got. You're just all milling around at the race line. No one gives a crap where no, you got. No, yeah. Everyone's just happy to finish. Yeah, I know. So mm. that. And then my um, one of my other mates said, oh, look, there's this nice little mountain bike ride in North Queensland. Do you want to do it with me? And I was like, oh, yeah, why not? Got there. And it was like this elite field. Here was me and my little bloody mountain bike. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, they're on their lycra and I've just got a T-shirt on. And I got fifth last in the whole. It was a four-day stage race. Yeah. But I just did not care. 
And the, so good. the MC at the end was like so happy to see me every time. He's like, here she is. And I was like, yeah, I'm so happy. But, <laughs> you know, I was like hours behind the winners. But it just didn't matter. And mm. it doesn't matter because people aren't even looking. Like they'd yeah. actually start to pack down half the bloody event by the time we got in. Yeah. But it was so awesome. Yeah. And I was like, it doesn't matter. So I'm quite, you know, when it comes to running and mountain biking, I'm quite often at the bottom of the field. Mm. But it's nice. I don't, because there's no expectations. You're just, mm. you're actually out there enjoying it for the event and just your own personal challenge yeah. rather than trying to maintain this expectation of being one of the better ones. Because people can't bag you when you're rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. It. That's <laughs> the problem with being good. Yeah. It's so true. People fall. criticise so much that, you know... Because they think you can handle it more. Yeah, yeah. they just want to bring you down. And yep. They do. Like, not everyone. Like I've had, yeah, it's just especially people... I don't know, people don't respect enough what you've done. Like, it's bloody hard making those teams, mm. you know. And like, oh, anyone can, you know, like, oh, I could have made that if I was a bit better. But no, actually, you couldn't have. I <laughs> just, <laughs> I like, you don't oh my goodness, that, you know, I could have gotten A if I tried. Yeah, but you didn't. Yeah. I could have been a professional netballer if I had focused more. Yeah, but you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like I don't, oh. you know, it's just such a... It's um, like reading the comments after the All Blacks and people are like, oh, oh. oh Amy McKenzie is <laughs> terrible. I'm like, oh my God, you wouldn't even, even get anywhere yeah. near yeah. him. Who like, are you, who Jeanette? Are you? Get off the computer. <laughs> get off the couch. Like, you can't even, like, walk to the end of the driveway. Like, yeah. it just, it's so, because you know what those athletes put in. All yeah. that training, you don't see the training they put in. And you're not doing that, but you can sit there and judge. Ah, oh, they're rubbish. How did you cope with that when you were a netballer? Probably lucky that social media wasn't a massive thing. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm you so weren't actually glad. seeing it. Oh, you just hear people, you know, when you're sitting behind them, don't know you're behind them. You're like, oh, you know, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're talking you. about me. Yeah. <laughs> Hi there. And I don't think they realise how it's sensitive. Like you don't want to, you want to do well. You don't want to hear people saying shit because you're not mm. trying to be shit. You're doing your best. Of not. You know, yeah. I'm not. No you know. one goes out there to be shit to do a shit job. Yeah. You know. That's the thing, and it's just like nah. So anytime I hear someone bagging out people, I'm like no. Do you think it's a Kiwi thing too? Yeah. So the tall poppy kind of, Which you is know, like the all black. They've got so much high expectations on. Yeah. So yeah. Just on the coach, you know, you yeah. know that yourself. Like on the yeah. coaching stuff, it's ridiculous. Like it's a game. Yeah, I um, I don't, I haven't talked about this on the podcast, but I might have. Maybe I've said it to you. I've said it to a couple of people, but I remember when Greg got the um, All Blacks job, and he said, "Just brace yourself." Mm. And I was like, "What do you mean?" And he said, "You know, like people, people are, are pretty kind of critical here." You know, mm. I was like, "Well, like you were with the Irish team. We lived in Dublin. I've already dealt with this kind of stuff." Like. There's nothing you can tell me that's new. <laughs> and um, it's completely different. Vitriol, isn't it? It, it, it yeah. is. Com- um, yeah, I think the public is particularly hard on high-performing people in this country. Um, Nico's kind of nodding. Is that something you've sort of noticed as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I think it makes it really hard as a culture because we actually expect people to do well, but we don't allow them for a second to be okay about it. So I expect you to be good at stuff. You know, we sort of have this idea of of being quite capable as Kiwis. But if you are doing well, I will not for a second let you actually enjoy that. Yeah. That, you know, and I I just think it's a really confusing message to grow up with as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, I should be really, really good but I'm going to be uncomfortable in that too. And I can't let people see if I'm not feeling good about it. You know, that whole mental health aspect of it is... Yeah. Yeah. 
But I remember, I think I one of the Irish coaches or some one of the an Irish media or something wrote that when you come to New Zealand and you watch the All Blacks, it's like the crowd is uh, our crowds are ridiculously quiet. Yeah, mm. morose compared to like I've seen lots oh, of the Irish, yeah. oh the Irish Party. and the English they're great yeah. and they've said it's because we expect them to win yeah. mm. and it's almost like we're relieved at the end mm. rather than oh my god they won and you know like when yeah. the Black Ferns won like no mm. one really that was like a people didn't really expect them they thought the English might get up and when mm. they didn't we were just euphoric because mm. we weren't expecting yeah. it and that crowd was incredible mm. but the All Blacks Crowds are just so. Mm. Even when at that World Cup final, when we only won, you know, it was so stressful. That bloody mm. French one in Auckland. Yeah. Mm. There was no noise from the crowd because everyone was just like, "Oh my god, if we lose, how, yeah. how will we cope?" Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. we expect to win, and yeah. then what do we do if we don't every time? And I think because as a nation, we do do quite well. Yeah. And, you know, we do do really well. Mm. So we're kind of like there's this this mentality, especially with the All Blacks, where for a while, especially when they were winning all the time, like last World Cup, for example, like, of course they'll win. Mm. Like, of course they'll win this game. Like, they're better, mm. you know? Like, there's not much thought into, like, how much pressure there is on them. And if they lose, it's like, what? Yeah. How dare you lose? Yeah. And mm. it's like, mate, you're not even close to being where they're at. Who are you to talk? Like, Hello. excuse me, who are you? Like, sit down. Yeah. Yeah. Sit down and just be kind. And I'd love them to be in the room with someone like, yeah. just one of them, like Aaron Smith or something, and say, you played shit, mate. Yeah, they yeah, never yeah. would. They <laughs> never they would. would. Oh, I've heard some pretty bold people. Oh, yeah. Really around, yeah. around. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, after a few drinks, definitely. Yeah, yeah, see, I remember that back yeah. in the day going out like with yeah. Andrew Mertens and that. Yeah, people After would just go drinks. to them all the yeah. time, and I was like, "You poor guy, like yeah. just leave him alone." Yeah, yeah, because they're so people know who they are all the time. People do get with a bit of drinks, get a bit mm. of bravado. Mm. Oh, mate, you know. Did you find you know a lot of support then within your team? Because you're experiencing that together, that kind of knowing that people are critiquing how you play. And I just all of don't that. think it was as vitriolic back then. Okay, I right. really don't. Yeah, I just think right. that social media has just opened it up. Like we were literally. I mean, I feel like it's coming from the bloody ice age. We were literally <laughs> in, the, in the press. You know, oh, we're in the press. Oh, my pictures in the paper. Yeah, you know, that was the height of. You Save know. the clipping. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, I've done that. Of course. <laughs> You've got to, though. Oh, You've got yeah. to. Yeah. And if yeah. you don't, your mum will. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But you just see what these girls are fa- or girls and guys are all facing now, and it's just, I don't, it's just a whole other level, and I really respect them. And mm. they do need these wraparound services because you yeah. are, people yeah. can, they can message you, they can mm. on Insta or whatever. You don't need to hear that. They mm. can directly get to you. Yeah. Mm. It's not hard. They just send a message and that's it yeah. and light a fire. I don't know. And it's just... Yeah, yeah. and you're right. Someone, you know, someone is um, naturally talented in their sport and they work really hard. Yeah. And they have a bit of luck and they get chosen for, you know, um, teams. Not expecting that because they're talented, they've worked hard and they find themselves in a certain team, that they're then up for public consumption and critique yeah. And, you know, like you say, this this um, extreme um, situation that we have with social media as well. And it's sort of like the social media stuff has happened so quickly mm. that the preparation for athletes for that, or anyone, I guess, in the public for that. Jacinda. Hasn't you know, anyone. Yeah. 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 Like, God. 
You've got your... It's, I wish it wasn't the paper because you don't hear what people are saying over their coffee. Mm. Oh, she's yeah. rubbish. Don't hear mm. old mate saying that. But, <laughs> old mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if it's on the comments, just don't read the comments. But sometimes you just want to have a wee look and it'd be the worst thing you can do oh, sometimes. Oh, that's when you lose faith in humanity, yeah. eh? Yeah. You do. And then you just realise who's sitting behind the comments. You're like, actually, why do I care what that person is exactly. saying? Exactly, yeah. You yeah, know, you I'll, look into their profile. Oh, yeah, yeah you want to know what it is. Yeah, usually with cats or... I don't know. <laughs> yes. Karen so, with her cats. Yeah. Or it's a really extreme close-up of a man. Like, oh, <laughs> like a boomer who can't. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> I don't need you take on my a life. selfie. Yeah. Jeez, Brian, why do I care what you think? <laughs> I love that. This is so good. Oh, but it still good. gets you. It's like, Brian should not matter in my life. But there yeah. he is. There he is. So I've got... <laughs> Serious. Like, get out, get out. The old Brian yeah. again. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's like people don't think these guys don't care about what they're doing. Like if mm. someone misses a penalty kick, like they're not going home and going, oh, yeah, don't worry, I'll get my Maccas on the way home. I don't care. <laughs> they'll go home and they'll reassess and like, you know, they... They care a lot more oh. about about anybody else. They care a lot more about their yeah. performance. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah, for sure. And for, for someone like yourself who's actually dealing with real shit as well, yeah. like the, the amount of sort of emotion and the... The, the sort of the the high stakes of supporters that they sort of perceive as being mm. invested in these teams. You know, when someone like yourself is actually dealing with like you know real high yeah. high yeah. stakes. Yeah. Um. You talked earlier about sort of the symptoms of um what to look out for with what you've experienced, but you also mentioned, you know, we have so many opportunities to screen and as women to um, uh, what to sort of look for if something's not quite right in our bodies. Yeah, Um, because there's so many things we don't know. It is based on what you feel, but there's a cervical smear, which is actually moving to self-testing soon. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Chantal talked about yeah. that. Yeah, which yes. is, I think it's imminent. Like, a friend of mine had one last week and they said the next one will be a self-test. So I don't know the timing, but it must be in the next 12 months to two years, I think. Mm. I think they're yeah. testing with people at the moment. Mm. Um, and I know that that's really hard to sometimes get yourself to those appointments because yeah. it is... You know, you don't want someone bloody rummaging around down there. No. <laughs> but they do it all the time. They don't care. Just mm. get in there. And get like, it done. Yeah, yeah, and you'll regret it if anything ever happens. You're like, I had an opportunity there. There's a tool available to me. Yeah. Just so just if you've had your message to go and get your cervical screening, go and do it. Like, yeah. Just please. Kelly told you to. Yes, but you just yes. never know. Listen and to tell, Kelly. Again, yes. tell your sisters, tell your cousins. Yeah. Or go, if your, friend, if your mate's like, I don't want to go, go with her. Do it together. Make an appointment yeah. on the same day or something. You oh, don't yeah. have to be in that you room know. together. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. You just grab a coffee afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I love that. Yeah, Social coffee day. Chat about yeah. the oh, comments yeah. that the nurse said about your bits. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's yeah. Wow. Very, very pink. You're looking healthy. Oh, my God. That's what they say. Yeah. My first one was like, it's looking pink and I was like is that a good thing <laughs> she's like yeah very healthy and I was like oh, okay thanks let's get over it <laughs> this is awkward but I'm actually quite flattered thank you very much thank, thank you, you. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. it's like thanks and obviously the other thing is your boobs like I know I don't think a mammogram start when you're 40 so if there's anyone listening who's 40 just go and do that as well it's, yeah. it's a bit like I've got massive nungers and it's <laughs> When they try and squeeze these, prune that plate of glass, my God, I'm like, ah, but it's really quick and it's done. And then 
before you're 40, just do yourself testing. Yeah. Mm. Just find a website, find out what you need to do, yeah. just look in the shower. We've got a video. Yeah. We've got a video on, on our Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. I'll post it this yeah, week. Please yeah, please do. And then yeah. just be conscious. Sometimes your partner finds them before you do because, you know, they're having wee fun and they're like, what's that? <laughs> but yeah. however you find it, just even if it's once a month, on the first day of the month, yeah, just do have it. a look, you do know. Regularly, and just punch and a punch for the first, first day of the month. month. Yeah, literally. And yeah. like that's just two things you can do. Like it's only two of the cancers or two things, but mm. we know that we can catch them early and then your survival rates yeah. after that are really high. So mm. just I don't know, just make use of things. I think there's a bowel screening program coming out too. That might be for Oh, we need that in New yeah. Zealand. Yeah. yeah. So but again, it just all comes back to know your bodies, advocate for yourself. If something's not right, just go to the doctor. That's, That's awesome, awesome. Kelly. Yeah. Thank you so much oh, for coming in <laughs> and ha- and just having a chat yeah. and just being so, you're so open good to and, you know. You are. You're so, I'm not even trying to flatter you. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, yeah, even yep. Nico yeah. reckons. Yeah. He already said you're a natural. Oh, thanks, Nico. <laughs> Uh, I have no doubt that for uh, the people listening, you would have got a lot out of um, uh, the chat today around resilience. Um, Definitely the big message is to listen and trust your own body and advocate for yourself. And uh, lots of other little nuggets in there too, like gnats, bits, a real pink, and that's a good thing. And healthy. And healthy. I never said real pink. I said... Pink, pink, pink. pink. <laughs> she said pink. Okay, she said real pink. All right. Not, I might have exaggerated for entertaining effect. <laughs> okay, should we wrap it up then? Cool. Well, thank you so much, Kelly, oh, for you're joining welcome, us. You're you're the best. You're gonna see your your face on our Instagram soon enough. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you can't wait. Hey? <clears throat> no, you're, yeah, it's quite warm in here. But remember to follow us on Babes Listen. And when you hear this podcast, we would have had our workshop. Yeah, because it comes out on Monday. So um, yeah, look on our Instagram for all of the things that we'll be asking you. Thank you. Bye.